Welcome to our podcast. We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. As a church, we're currently working through the Book of Romans. If you would like to watch the live video from this episode, head over to VintageCityChurch.tv and we hope you enjoy this message. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. I get to tackle a passage of scripture I would have never tackled if I wasn't here. In my 40-some years of teaching, I've never taught on these verses. And all week long, or actually knowing, I'm like, please let me land on the end of chapter 8. Chapter 8, please let me land on the end of chapter 8. And then I find out David's going to get the end of chapter 8. I get the beginning of chapter 9, and all the last couple of weeks, I'm like, Lord, I just, I don't know what you want to say to your people. Because I don't want to just come to church and have a nice little sermon and raise our hands and we go home and be the same. I believe the word of God is active and powerful. I believe it will not return void. I believe God wants to do something in our hearts. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to speak through people. And right now it's me. So let's hear. And I don't say that in arrogance. I'm just, that's what I believe. Chapter 8. You've not received the spirit of adoption or... The, you have not, you've re- not received, hello, I can't even read. That's all, folks. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him daddy, Abba, father. Some of you, that makes you feel uncomfortable because you couldn't even call your own dad, daddy. But he's our papa. For his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children, Verse 18, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed later. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that we will receive later. Verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? That means there are things against us. Can anything separate us from God's love? Does that mean he no longer loves us if we suffer trouble or calamity or persecution or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? By the way, we're going to face those things. And if you weren't here last week, listen to the text because David broke down those words and I'm not going to repeat them. No, in spite of all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer or we overwhelm, the overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced... I love this. Paul says, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below, which is talking about demonic activity. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be will ever separate us from the love God has for us, which is revealed through Christ Jesus, our Lord. A lot of people believe there's a major shift now in Romans 9, 10, and 11. I believe it just is a continuation because he says this, with Christ as my witness, I speak in utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. The Apostle Paul speaking, For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to forever be cursed 
cut off from Christ. I have trouble with this verse. If that would save them. Except that I know with that type of sacrificial love, God honors and there would be redemption for Paul. But listen to his heart. For they are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them. He gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Well then, Paul asks another question like he does in chapter four, chapter six, chapter seven. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says that. Here he says, well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, not at all who were born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make Abraham truly Abraham's children. For the scripture says, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted and through Abraham, even though Abraham had other children. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God, only the children of promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God promised... I will return next time this year, next, next time in a year, and I will have a son. We've got to understand, church, some things. The first is this. Nothing ever will separate you from the love of God. Stop gaining your understanding of God's love through your circumstances. I don't know about you, but when I was younger in the faith, and it still happens occasionally, the minute things go wrong, or I perceive them as going wrong in my life, I instantly turn the attention on not him, but on me. I instantly turn the attention and say, I had to do something wrong, that's why this happened, or God doesn't like me right now, or he's really angry. Do we understand that God's love will never change for us? God's love will never change for people that are sinners. Those that never repent, God still loves. He says he loves us with an everlasting love. What does that mean? That means no matter what I do, God still loves me. Look at me. Every sin you will ever commit have committed or will commit, has been forgiven by the grace of God. There is no second opportunity. There's no, we don't come to church on a Sunday morning to have another aspect of his sacrifice so that we can repent of the sins that we committed in the last seven days. Every sin you've ever committed is forgiven, period. We don't like that because it makes us feel uncomfortable because we still feel like we have to do something. We do have to appropriate it. Last week, David Mitchell so eloquently shared, in the world, John 16, 33, in the world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome. If you followed Bethel in the last couple of weeks, you understand Bill Johnson stood up three days after his wife died and said this, and I quote loosely, we can only praise God in this life in our pain. 
I was shocked he even spoke three days after his wife died. We can only praise God in this life. Why? Because we're going to be praising him for eternity, but there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more cancer. And so we have an opportunity. And instead of looking at it as a negative, we have an opportunity to praise God now in the midst of our turmoil. That is a true sacrifice of praise. I don't understand what's going on, God. I don't even necessarily like it, but I am trusting you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not get driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we're not abandoned. What does that mean? We have trouble. We're perplexed. Anybody ever been perplexed by the things of God? You know what perplex is to me? Hmm. 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 How many know God knows our hmms? How many are glad God knows your hmm? Maybe you can't even express your hmm, but you have those in your heart. You're perplexed. But it says we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. This world is full of despair. Matter of fact, I think we give a carte blanche to people to have despair. So it's like, oh yeah, it's hard. life's hard, you're gonna have despair. We can have perplexing times, but we don't have to give in to being in depression. And I'm not belittling anybody. We've all had our issues with that, where we're struggled with, where's God in the equation? I understand that. But I'm saying sometimes we give in to it ease, more easily than we need to because God understands when we're perplexed. God understands when we're in trouble, but we don't have to be crushed in the trouble. And you know what being crushed is? Being squeezed like this. Be transformed, not conformed. Conf being conformed means to be squeezed from the outside in. Being transformed means to be changed from the inside out. If you drop down, he says, for the things that we now see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. It's the same thing. Paul is telling the Corinthian church the same thing he told the Romans church, that what is happening now is not going to last forever. I think it was a theme of his. He tells Timothy, endure hardship, Timothy. It's a theme of mine if it's not of Paul's. Hardship is part of life. Be encouraged, but it doesn't last forever. The second thing we've got to understand is the failure of the Jewish people to appropriate God's love for them. See, nothing can separate us in the sense that there's no, nothing that will ever change God's thoughts for you. They're good to give you a purpose and a hope, to give you an expected end. But the fact is, we can appropriate, you've all heard the saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? If somebody's hungry and they're starving and you put a plate of food, you can't make them eat it. That's the idea here. The Jews, listen to what it says out of the ESV in Romans uh, 9, 4, and 5. They are Israelites and, and to them belong, listen, adoption, glory, Covenants, the law, worship, promises, the patriarchs, and the Messiah. And yet, they refuse to believe. It amazes me. 
That one minute they're going through the Red Sea and two days later they're complaining that God's brought them out to the wilderness to kill them. The Egyptians just drowned, dudes. Do you understand? They just, you're the, the strongest army in the world that was pursuing you just died. Is God able to make water come from a rock if he just drowned the Egyptian army? See, it's supposed to be line upon line, faith upon faith, precept upon precept. We're to grow in this thing of God. And the trials come to teach us to grow in him. And Paul says, I want you to understand, they are separated not because God doesn't love them. They're separated because they haven't appropriated the love of God. There's a big difference. See, they boasted in their works and their relationship. None of us have ever done that. Deuteronomy chapter seven says, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the peoples, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a special treasure. The Lord didn't set his heart on you or choose you because you're more numerous than all the other nations. For you were the smallest of nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and was keeping the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham. They couldn't boast that they had sometime, somehow kept what God had asked. The danger in us walking with the Lord very long is we forget amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved someone, a wretch like me. We forget all of our friends are gonna be believers. All the things we do are with believers. And so we, the, the longer we've served him, the more detached we get from the understanding of what it's like to live without him. It's a tragedy. That's why Jesus hung out with the people he hung out with. I give you permission, hang out with some sinners. It'll do you good. Seriously. It'll cause you to understand the amazing grace that you have been given. Keeps us becoming stuffy and religious. By the way, I hate stuffy and religious. Makes me want to stick a fork down my throat. I'm, I do not like it at all. And I was once one of them. My wife and I were talking the other day. I'm like, do you realize there was a time I thought you couldn't wear shorts to church? How stupid. I mean, just, that's just one of the things. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, all of the rules and regulations that we put on people. Anyway, that's just another note. <laughs> Be careful, church, to base your faith on things like legacy, signs and wonders, works of the flesh, who you belong to, what group you're a part of. Be careful because it'll cause you to forget the love of the Almighty. People will fail, God's purpose will not. The third thing is we've got to understand the obligation and the weight that God has given us to share the gospel. Paul, I want you to understand his heart. And I, I love what Pastor Dustin said. I'm standing at the sound booth because there wasn't any place to sit. Plus, I don't like to sit. I'm one of those people that I pace like an animal when I'm praying. You know, like, can you ever see a tiger in the zoo? It's like, what am I doing in this life? What am I doing in this life? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. 
Sorry. I'm on Benadryl. Because <laughs> if I wasn't, I couldn't see you because my eyes would be swollen shut. But anyway, Paul's passion, his passion, his passionate faith. Listen to what he says in chapter 1, verse 14. He says, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the uncultured, both to the wise and the foolish. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, for if I don't preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am under compulsion. Woe be to me if I don't share the gospel. Jeremiah in chapter 20, but if I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak of his name. His words burn in my heart like fire. It is like fire in my bones. I am worn out from holding it. I cannot keep it in. You say, that's for, that's for the fivefold ministry. That's for the, the apostles and prophets, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. No, that's for all of us. All of us have been given a message. All of us have been given a testimony. All of us who are born again have been given something that we are to share. Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. You've ever been around obnoxious Christians? You know, somebody walks down the street and they got to share the Lord with them because they might be on their way to hell. Guess what? If they don't know Jesus, they are. Not everybody that you meet is at your responsibility to save. Jesus walked by the man at the gate beautiful for years and three years in his power because it wasn't time for that guy to be saved yet. Silver and gold have I none, Peter and John said, but what I have I give to you. Each one of us have a testimony, each one of us have friends, each one of us have acquaintances, each one of us work at a certain place, live in a certain neighborhood, our kids go to a certain school, that's our responsibility. And it's not as much as saying, do you know Jesus as much as Hey, good morning. How you doing? When I'm riding my bike, some people think I'm suspicious because I'm always like, on your left, good morning, thank you, appreciate it. When people first started wearing headphones in California, this dates me. I'd go by somebody, say, good morning. I'd think, man, that person is so freaking rude. <laughs> Little did I know they're listening to a podcast or something. But a simple word, a simple smile, a simple handshake, a simple, is there anything I can pray with you about? Or you hear somebody that's struggling with something. You hear in the grocery line, somebody talking about, man, my back is killing me. I can't even pick that up. Asking them, being bold enough to say, can I pray for you? If they say no, say, bless you. Paul's obligation was to the Jewish people because those were his people. Think about it. Think of your family members right now that aren't walking where they should be walking. Think of the burden you have for them. Give me Jesus. We sang about it today. I don't want anything else. I, I said in the first gathering, I was standing back in the back and I said to somebody, I said, man, I hope this isn't just a Sunday song. I hope this just isn't just some nice song we're singing. But on Tuesday afternoon, when we're perplexed, when we're going through a time of difficulty, when things are happening at work, we can say, I just want Jesus. 
I just want Jesus. And you know, if you want Jesus, guess what? You will have an impact on the world. That's what Paul is asking about. He says, I'm under obligation. Obligation means that which one ought to do. It's one's duty, and listen to this, or constraints that can limit freedom. To set aside freedom for constraints or limits. There are things in our life. Everybody look at me, I'm almost done. My dad used to go. Because <laughs> he was in the military. That meant bad guy. <laughs> look at me. Got it? There are things that God's going to ask you to give up. Not because they're necessarily sinful, but have an impact on somebody else. The danger that the church has done, let's say Gary Peters and Karen Peters, our family has certain convictions that we raise our kids a certain way. We do certain things. That's our conviction. We be, make it a doctrine and we say, if you're not living like I'm living and my wife is living and raising your kids like we raised our kids, then there's something wrong with you. I'm talking about what is God asking you today? What constraint, what freedom is God asking you to limit so that you can have an impact on your neighborhood? What is God asking you possibly to put a constraint on so that you can touch your coworkers? You say, well, I just live my life in Jesus. If we live our life in Jesus, guess what? We will have constraints that nobody else has because we have a different personality and DNA and fingerprint that nobody else has. And God's gonna reach people through you that he can't reach through your neighbor. How are you and I indebted to the gospel? John Knox used to walk through the streets of Edinburgh. God save my Scotland. God save my Scotland. God save my Scotland. I'm not kidding you. Sometimes I drive my car, my Jeep, or I'll ride my bike. And I'm saying, God, move in Fort Collins. Move in Loveland. God, let every place that the foot of my bike tread rolls be claimed for the gospel. Let me touch people for Jesus. Because I want to tell you something. Hell is real. And nobody wants to go there. And I'm not trying to be fire and damnation. But it is real. And it's separation from anything that God is. If God is love, it's a place of hate. If God is living water, it's a place of thirst. If God is comfort and peace, it's a place of torment. It's the opposite of what God is, and it is real, and nobody wants to go there. That's the passion Paul has, that I could be accursed, that others would know, my brethren of the flesh. <coughs> Let me encourage you, some of the hardest people you're ever gonna touch are religious people. Give me somebody who has nothing, no understanding of the gospel. I love it. You know how rewarding it is to share your faith with somebody and know that you put them on a journey that you started years and years ago, but it's at equal footing because everybody starts knowing they're a sinner needing a savior. Everybody starts the same place. That's what God is asking us. I'll let Pastor Greg and Pastor Dustin get into Jacob. I loved Esau. I hated 
chew on that one for the week. It's the same concept though. The love of God was presented. Esau says, I'd rather have Campbell's chicken noodle soup. The promise of God? No, I'll have some Campbell's chunky beef and stew. That's how stupid it was. And yet, how many times have I exchanged? Give me a can opener. Or now I have a pop top. And I exchange what God wants to do in my life for something that's so temporary. Bow your heads with me, please. Just ask the Lord right now. He wants to speak where you're at in that three points. Have you been judging God's love for you by your circumstances? Say, Father, thank you for loving me. None of us deserve it. How about those that are brokenhearted over somebody that you know is not walking where they should be? I I want you to hear the passion of Paul. I would rather be accursed if it meant the salvation of my brethren. Wow. And then who is the Lord right now? Somebody is coming to mind that he wants you to begin to pray for and be unashamed about sharing the gospel with. Be salt and light. Be that which flavors the world in the sense of drawing people to Jesus. A Christianity that can challenge people's lives because you're living it and I'm living it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay off of Benadryl. God bless, have a great week. Thank you for your time with us. We would love to have you join us at a live gathering on Sunday. Our address is 1501 Academy Court, and it's just off of Prospect Road in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, please go to VintageCityChurch.com, and we'll see you next time.